Help keep Kinks and Beats daily ad-free and receive bonus content early with a contribution of 20 cents per episode. Visit herohabit.com slash shop for more information. Welcome to Kinks and Beats Daily. I'm your host, Tony Fry, and this is episode 106. Thank you for downloading and listening. Today we are talking about the song Mr. Big Man by The Kinks, released February 12th, 1977 on their album Sleepwalker. This is a cool song. And um, I actually got an email from someone who pointed out to me that um, I don't particularly care for the Sleepwalker album. And that could not be further from the truth. I actually like most of this album. I don't always agree with the production style. Um, although it was, you know, it was appropriate for the time. Um, I think it sounds dated, but there's some good songs on there. And this is one of them. It was recorded in mid December, 1976 for all intents and purposes, the album was finished and, uh, John Dalton quits the band, the bass player, and they need to find, you know, audition somebody. So they're doing auditions and then one thing turns to another and they're doing a recording session for this song with um, uh, Andy Pyle on bass. Now Dalton had been playing with the band for about a decade. I mean, he was a temporary bass player, you know, on the road with them for a bit and then left and then came back as the permanent bass player for about eight years. Um, So he'd been a longstanding bass bassist with the band. He's been on some of their pivotal albums and I think, uh, personally, I th- he's my favorite uh, Kinks bass player. And Andy Pyle comes in, records this song. It gets thrown on the album. Even though this is, like I said, the album's pretty much done. Um, they record this a couple months before its release, and it makes the cut. Even though it doesn't really fit thematically with the rest of the album um, on the subject matter. It fits in tone and everything. Now, all that said, Pyle's going to be a member with the, of, uh, of the Kinks for about 13 months. He does not have a huge impact uh, on, on the catalog. He does one song on this album, and then he's all over the Misfits album. But this is not the bass player that's going to last the next eight years um, replacing John Dalton. That said, his bass playing on this song is spectacular. It is such a cool bass line. Um, it's supportive of the song, but kind of floating all over the place and and kind of funky on a song that's not particularly funky. But it's a very cool bass line. The only thing I don't like is he does some, uh, on some of the long notes ending phrases, he does this vibrato that it, it goes like a step beyond vibrato and it's just pitch bending and it just sounds like an out of tune bass. Um, but with those few exceptions, with those couple notes here and there, his bass playing is spectacular. I, uh, while doing research for this, I came across a blog that reviewed this uh, 10 years ago or so. And the blogger said that this album should be listened to at night. You know, and some albums are like summer day albums. Some albums are like when you're mowing the lawn, you put on this album when you're, you know, when it's cold outside, you put on this album. When you're sad, you put on this album. Like certain albums are really suited for specific seasons or times of day or whatever. And I actually really agree with uh, 
that blogger, this album in general is a great nighttime album. I mean, it's called Sleepwalker, so it's kind of fitting that it would be. But this song in particular, I do not listen to this when you're going to sleep. You listen to this when you are driving at like one in the morning on a summer night with the windows down and you're on the freeway going 75 and the windows are down and you just got this song blaring. That's the perfect way to listen to this tune. Uh, It kind of reminds me of uh, Death on Two Legs by Queen in that it's this scathing and clearly autobiographical song that does not mince words. It's not cryptic at all, other than the fact that we don't know who the singer is talking about. Um, You know, Queen actually put the sub, the parenthetical title of death on two legs is actually dedicated to dot, dot, dot. So they were even taking it a step further with their ambiguity. Um, But Ray does not say specifically in this song, he doesn't give a clue um, really who it could be. I remember when you started out, you were the best friend I ever knew. I tried to meet you when you had your success, but you had better things to do. Now I bet that you're losing count of the people that you used, but now we're going to see the vicious side of you. Okay. Um, That could really be any number of people. There are a lot of theories online um, that it could be John Lennon, who he'd had a beef with from their early days. I find the John Lennon theory kind of a long shot because if you just look at the context of the times historically, um, at this point, Lennon... Okay, so the song says, um, Mr. Big, you've got the say in the power. Your minions grovel and cower, but I see you and I see me. But you're the big man now. You got it, Mr. Big. Now, this song comes out February 1977. At this point in John Lennon's career, he is in the middle of a five-year sabbatical from rock and roll. He's staying home. He's he's the house husband, as he said, um, staying home and taking care of his son, Sean. So he's not the big man. He has no power. He hasn't done anything. His last album of original music came out three years earlier. So it's been three years since he's been relevant on the charts. He wasn't out touring. Um, and he was for, you know, five years. Not to this point. He was like two and a half, three years in at this point. He's basically a recluse. So I don't think that Lennon is probably the subject matter on this unless the song uh, originated from years before and just never made it even to a recording session until 1976, which I also think is, is unlikely. So I guess it could be Lennon if there was some sort of slight, you know, behind closed doors in 1966 that, that triggered this song. But I'm not buying that one because I think if, if Ray was so upset to have written this type of song about Lennon, he would have done it in 1967. You know, you know, back in the peak of both bands' commercial success coming out of the British invasion and all that kind of stuff, that would have been the time to write it. Not when Lennon's in practical retirement. Mick Jagger, uh, I could see that. I mean, also, you know, the Beatles and the Kinks came from two different places. Where Mick Jagger. And Ray Davies, I think, are a little bit more geographically similar 
And, you know, Ray Davies had actually suggested to Mick Avery that he should drum for the Rolling Stones. And it never happened, never ended up, you know, he ended up being the drummer for the Kinks. But, you know, they were coming up at the same time. The Beatles were a little bit ahead of them as far as, you know, uh, their success and and their their stature in the music business. You know, they were even a few months when you're talking about rock and roll. A few month head start is a huge head start. So Mick Jagger could have possibly been it. I don't really know much about their history there. But Jimmy Page, that's an interesting theory for me. Because Jimmy Page is the only one with a direct kinks um, connection. You know, there there had been rumors basically since 1964 that Jimmy Page is the one that plays the guitar solo on You Really Got Me. He was present at some of the early recording sessions. Um, and he was a well-known studio guy at that time. But... You know, well-known studio guys aren't really the top of the ladder as far as, you know, having minions and all that kind of stuff. So it kind of makes sense that, you know, I remember when you started out, and he's not saying, I remember when we started out. And that's what kind of like makes me think that this might be about Jimmy Page. He's not saying, I remember when we started out, we were the best, you were the best friend I ever knew. You know, Mick Jagger was starting out at the same time as Ray Davies. Um, Lennon more or less was starting out at the same time. Like I said, they were a few, you know, a little bit of head start. But, you know, Jimmy Page was a little bit behind. And he was an up-and-coming session guy when the Kinks were doing their first recordings. So he's a little bit behind. So I, I, I remember when you started out. And then, obviously, Jimmy Page, by the mid-70s, is a rock icon and a god who does have minions and do, does have all the power and uh, is in, in the biggest rock band in the world. Where Mick Jagger has been in a in one of the biggest rock bands in the world for 15 years at this point, but not really. 1977 is not Let It Bleed era Rolling Stones. So we've got this. So so there's that Kings connection, and we've got you know the um. Uh, he says uh, I'm I'm scrolling through the lyrics here, but now you're hot and sitting on the top. Okay, now you're hot. This makes it sound more recent than Mick Jagger or John Lennon, who had been hot just as long as Ray Davies had been hot, and you know, going back 13 years um, at this point. Uh, you're, uh, but now you're hot. Uh, you've got no time for anyone. You schemed and connived. You pushed and you lied till you at least at last became a star. Okay, so. This reference to this big lie could be uh, a reference, you know, if he's glomming onto the kinks up and coming stardom by saying, look, I'm the one that played the guitar solo and cutting Ray's brother. And it's one of those things uh, I can make fun of my brother, but if you make fun of my brother, we're going to have some problems. This could be that instance where it's like, you know, I can diminish Dave's value as a guitar player all I want. 
because I'm the leader of the kinks. But Led Zeppelin can't go in here and diminish them. We're going to go out back and, and duke it out. So that one line, you pushed and you lied. If if he believes Jimmy Page is the one that kind of uh, enhanced this rumor that had been dogging them for years, and it's still a rumor. I still hear it to this day. Oh, did you know Jimmy Page actually played? No, he didn't. He didn't play the solo. Um, I mean, frankly, between you and me, Dave Davies is the better guitar player. There, I said it. But um, uh, but now we're going to see the way you really are. So if it, if it comes down to it has to be one of these three guys, Lennon, Jagger, or Page, I'm going to think it's probably Page. But I have no say on it. Uh, I looked in all the books I've got. There is no direct reference to who he was talking about. It's all fan theory. And it probably will remain that way forever. Um, if Ray, Dave, if you guys are listening to this podcast and you want to shatter the uh, the myth and uh, call in and tell me what who this song is written about, I would be eternally grateful. But until that happens, I'm sure this is just going to be a mystery that we're going to argue about as long as we are discussing this great band's music. All right. So there's a couple things. I mentioned that thematically, it kind of reminds me of Death on Two Legs. Harmonically, however, it reminds me a lot of Wall Street Shuffle by 10CC. And if you are not familiar with that song or hadn't put that connection together, I'm sorry to have wrecked this for you. So we've got... Um, Mr. Big Man starts off on a D. Um, no, that's the main verse. Starts off on a D minor chord to B flat, and then a C C D minor with the D minor coming up on the on the upbeat. So we're going. Then we go to Wall Street Shuffle, which is in the same key. C, C, D minor, same pattern, same exact chords. Um, you can play, uh, they just play a, a, the guitar riff. There's not really a, a chordal accompaniment to it, but you can play that. You can play the exact same chords over the guitar riff and it still works harmonically. So this song came out in 1974. It's actually one of my favorite 10CC songs. That's another band. Uh, in five years when we've run out of songs to do here, maybe I'll cover 10CC. But um, it is a striking resemblance at how similar those two things are. And that happens a lot. There's nothing particularly imaginative about the chord sequence here. Um, but the way it's accented and phrased and everything does make this incredibly, incredibly similar. So that's Mr. Big Man. I want you to go to Spotify if you use Spotify and look for Kinks and Beats. And there's a playlist there. And if you follow that, you can listen to all the songs are posted on Monday. So everything we're going to talk about for the week is posted there. And then all the songs we've already talked about are left there. So you can listen to the songs ahead of time and refresh your memory or refresh your ears or go back and listen to it now um, after we've talked about it a little bit and listen to it maybe in new, new ears. 
listening to the words to see if you can figure out who he's singing about. Listen to that bass line. Dave's guitar work on this is unreal. He's doing some really cool lead lines and it's all very tasty. Not it's like it's walking right up to the line of being overdone, but never crosses it. It's just the perfect amount of guitar. And I love the tone of his guitar uh, on this track. So go listen to that. And of course, if you swing by herohabit.com, you can under the podcast button, you can find all the ways to contact me, including email kinks and beats at herohabit.com, voicemail 925-494-1739. And uh, you can also contribute uh, $4 a month to help keep this podcast ad free. So swing by herohabit.com. We've also got a discussion group for kinks and beats daily in our community section there. All right. I will talk to you guys soon. And uh, thank you for listening. This podcast is presented by the Hero Habit Podcast Network. Swing by HeroHabit.com today to comment on this episode and poke around our growing database of sports and pop culture news, reviews, and collectibles. HeroHabit.com. Collect your heroes.